love when we watch like these older movies and you're like, oh, everyone playing a teeny tiny bit part is so famous now. Yes, everyone in it was so famous. One of my favorite little tiny appearances was when he was at that press junket, which we'll talk about in the actual episode, and he was interviewing that tiny actress. Yes. And I was like, who is this tiny girl? She looks so familiar. Maybe she's someone who later was famous. And then it was Misha Barton. (laughs) I know. I was, so I was like spacing out a little bit um, during this part. And Alex was like, look, look who it is. And I was like, OMG. I would probably not have recognized her definitely as herself if I hadn't then Googled. But as you know, I am currently watching the OC for the first time. And I was like, she's got the same little like head tilt eye roll situation. I know. And I was like, oh. Yeah, Misha Barton was like, besides she was in uh, The Sixth Sense. Horrible. Horrible. Which I've never seen. You should never watch it. Is she bad in it? No, she's not bad in it, but she plays this, like, basically, you know, the whole premise, like, Haley Joel. Yeah, sure, for sure. He sees dead people, right. So Misha Barton is the ghost of this dead girl who basically died, I think, because of, like, Munchausen. Um, her mom like poisoned her and or oh, something like no. that and she keeps like and when she shows up she's like vomiting which is why no. you should never watch it well I don't like that also I'm sorry to any viewers for whom Alex has now ruined the sixth sense okay it came out like at this point like 20 years ago like I just <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I've spoiled spoilers. this 20 year old film it's yeah it's actually like a decent like it's not even like so scary i think actually misha barton's appearance is like the scariest because it's like a jump scare but aside from that it's like not that creepy um but yeah it's gross you would hate it um anyway shall we talk about the rest of the film yes welcome to rom-com-a-thon i'm alex and i'm kat and this week we are talking about nodding hill our hugh grant double feature uh, we did two weeks notice last episode, so now we're just going back, watching an even older one. Yes. After two weeks notice, I sent you that article, if you remember, that did not enjoy two weeks notice, but charmingly described phases of Hugh Grant's career. Yes. And two weeks notice is in the phase that you and I are most familiar and I think comfortable with, which is the charming cad phase of Hugh Grant's career. But he described it as following the stammering, floppy-haired twit phase of Hugh Grant's career, which this and Four Weddings and a Funeral, I think, probably fall squarely in. Yes, I think so. I thought Hugh Grant was pretty cute in this, both like physically and persona-wise, but the movie was a bit of a dud. (laughs) He looks great. He is very young and handsome. He's actually older than I thought. He's almost 40. Um, He's looking great. He's looking fantastic. Also, this is kind of random, but in that article, they were like, however, we love to hear Hugh Grant talk and say words like Pokemon and kebab. And I enjoyed that in this film, he said kebab several times, coincidentally. Yes, I also enjoyed that. I thought of that, actually, when he was uttering the word kebab. (laughs) Um, But truly, this movie was so long ago. It was not as long ago as I thought, but it was 1999. And I was like, oh my god, when Alec Baldwin was young, and at one point, Julia Roberts mentions Mel Gibson, 
in like a sort of complimentary way. And I was like, oh, this was before we all knew Mel Gibson was horrifically anti-Semitic. And this comment really dates the film. Yes, I also was like, ew. And then I was like, oh yeah, before everyone, like when everyone thought Mel Gibson was just a hot guy and not like a crazy- A hater? Yes. So here we are. Shall I summarize the plot? Yes. I think we should tell everyone that I actually did write half a summary for this purpose, but I gave up midway through because I was like, so much happened, but also nothing happened. Ugh, whatever. I felt this movie was a lot longer than it needed to be. It was about two hours, and Alex can attest that I texted her several times, like, how is there still so much left of this slow-ass movie? I also had a similar experience with this film where at one point we paused because we were like getting something from the kitchen and I was like, oh my God, how is there still so much left? Yeah, like it's weird because it wasn't bad per se. Like there were moments that I thought were touching. I think Richard Curtis is really good at like mundane kind of lovely relationship stuff. But some how for some reason even though it wasn't abhorrent it was so slow and i have horrifying news for you the original cut was actually 90 minutes longer i don't understand because what more could he have possibly put in i too saw that factoid on wikipedia and was like horrified can you imagine if we had had to sit through three and a half hours of this i had to watch this movie in like four sittings anyway anyway (laughs) hugh grant is a random awkward british dude who lives with a truly horrible roommate and runs a book... Alex's face is why I have started laughing. And runs a bookstore that for some reason sells only travel books. And this is like somehow like a vaguely viable career that allows him to live and work in Notting Hill, which I thought was like a posh area. Bizarre. I don't know. Um, One day, Julia Roberts, an extremely famous actress, wanders into his bookshop. They interact briefly. Then he separately runs into her on the street and spills a drink all over her. And because she kind of recognizes him, she's willing, I guess, to come over to his home and like clean up. And inexplicably, during that interaction, she kisses him. Some shenanigans ensue. They hang out, uh, actually have like a really nice time together. This is when she goes to his friend's, to his sister's birthday party. Yeah. And uh, life is so magical. They're going to maybe have a torrid romance suddenly in this one night. Um, But then, JK, she has a boyfriend, a young Alec Baldwin. So they part ways, but then she comes back because naked photos of her have leaked and she's decided to seek refuge with this random British dude that she met one time. Yeah, and it's months later, which I I guess I didn't quite cotton on to i was like months later yes apparently it's months later alex was like no no months have passed and i was like did they it wasn't super clear to me but i also i will admit was not 100 percent paying attention i could have used some chirons anyway so then they have like kind of a romantic ish night in his home and they finally sleep together i think yes and it's going well but then the press has found them because his roommate is garbage And, well, not really intentionally malicious, just, like, really stupid. But she freaks out about the press, is not super nice, and, like, runs off. So they essentially break up, even though they were not together. But then she has a change of heart and returns and tries to get him back. But he says no. But then he changes his mind. And then he chases her to, like, a press conference. And they get together. And that's the end. Yes. And... 
I will say that like months apparently pass between like each of their interactions. Like the second time months pass after she says like the horrible stuff to him and like runs off. Actually, you you get you're like, oh, a year did pass. I understand now. Sure. But they t- collectively spend maybe 72 hours together. Yeah, it's not great. Less, I think. Maybe yeah. 36. Also, she has no personality, so I really just find it like difficult to understand like what he really saw in her besides the fact that she was famous. Oh, she seems okay. I mean, I feel like you and I are not big Julia Roberts people, but there were a couple of moments where I was like, oh, she's very alive here. Like, I can see why people were so compelled by her for our entire childhood, even though you and I were not among them. I understand that, but I felt like... But the character, not terribly interesting. Yeah, like, I just didn't really get a good feel for her character at all. Like, she was, to me, like, just Andy McDowell in Four Weddings. Like, she was enigmatic and beautiful and a little reserved and, like, kind. that was kind of it. Um, A tidbit that I read is, so, like, Hugh Grant has a sister who is actually kind of cute, like, when... I see his friends are all really excited to meet famous Julia Roberts. And she's like, Mary Will, he's a really nice guy. Then we can be sisters. And that was cute. But I was interested, like the little like Amazon x-ray thing told me that in the original version, she was going to be like a girl across the street that Hugh Grant ends up with instead of Julia Roberts. Oh, I would have preferred that. Yes, you and I would both have preferred that film. <laughs> but I guess it would have wouldn't have really been like a romantic comedy situation. I think it would have really infuriated audiences. <laughs> It would have been kind of confusing. I mean, I imagine that if that had been the case, she would have gotten much more screen time because then it would have been, oh, it would be the male win a date with Tad Hamilton. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, so I think I have some confusion because is Notting Hill a posh place? I do not know. Okay, I guess neither of us have ever been to Notting Hill nor have any information about Notting Hill except for like in context of this film. So I think I thought that Notting Hill was is now like kind of bougie, but clearly like it's not supposed to be bougie in 1999. Is it like a Brooklyn situation? Yeah, I think it's supposed to be eclectic. I did read on the Wikipedia article that the location scout or like the casting director or whatever was like a man of color and was pretty horrified to see in the final cut of the film that Notting Hill was not portrayed that way because apparently he had tried to make it diverse and everything and then it was not. Yes, not a lot of people of color in this film. But I did like the market. Like, I particularly enjoyed the um, iconic Hugh Grant walking through the Notting Hill marketplace and seasons changing. I will say that I saw Mindy Kaling's homage to this first. She put it into her Hulu remake of Four Weddings and a Funeral. And oh, yes. And it's very, it's very, like, it's the same. It's like, it's obviously homage. It's like, it's very well done. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then, of course, now I realize that it came from this film. I think that was one of the times when Hugh Grant was looking especially handsome. Why is Richard Curtis so focused on making women have, like, secret boyfriends slash fiancés that they, like, don't tell Hugh Grant about? I I don't know. I was a little bit like, oh, this is kind of going well. This is, like, a normal relationship. Like, maybe they'll just be together and maybe I won't hate this movie. And then I was like, oh. Oh, no, that makes sense. We're only halfway through. My note literally says, her boyfriend? She has a boyfriend? This movie was okay until right now. Yes. 
yes, it was awkward. And also I was like, I wonder what hot actor will be her boyfriend. And then I was like, LOL, it's Alec Baldwin. I know. What a different time. I want to run over his Welsh roommate with a truck. He is the worst. I cannot believe that Hugh Grant's sister then marries him. I know. I screamed at the television so many times because I found him so infuriating and just disgusting looking. Like he was offensive to my eyes um, and offensive to all my sensibilities. He looks like he would smell. And not only would he smell, that he would have like things on him. Like he would be a crusty person. Oh, you're so correct about both of those assumptions that one would make based on his appearance. And his clothes look like they were scavenged from bins. They were scavenged from Hugh Grant's closet because he doesn't do laundry. Oh, I thought that was just that one time he stole that like weird wetsuit thing. I would assume that he's frequently stealing from Hugh Grant. He very much seems like that kind of roommate. You know what? That's that's a fair assessment, I think. But I truly, like, hated him more than I can express. Like, at no point did the movie make me feel anything for him. Like, even at the end of the film, where he's, like, helping Hugh Grant get to the hotel where Julia nope, Roberts don't is care. Sick. I hate him. Yeah, I, hate I was like, him. I, hate I so still much. hate him more than I could say. Truly, when was the last time I hated a rom-com side character this much? Maybe when Jason Biggs pretended to be gay in that other film. That was exactly what I thought of. But no, I think I hate this guy more. Yeah, this roommate has like really launched himself up there. Which, if you know how many movies we've now watched for this blog slash podcast, is saying something. We watched Adam Sandler films, I hate this man more than any side character Rob Schneider has played. Oh, God. Anyway, in addition to a lot of famous people appearing in this movie, there were a lot of people who looked like other people due to the tiny gene pool that is the United Kingdom. Like, I kept seeing actors and being like, oh, is that so-and-so? And then being like, no, it's just a doppelganger of so-and-so who is also a working actor. I actually confused one of them for the other. So Hugh Bonneville, who plays Lord Grantham of Downton Abbey, plays Hugh Grant's like stockbroker friend in this one. Barney. Yes. But I kind of thought at first that he was the other friend who was bad at cooking and has an extremely long neck. (laughs) They do not look that alike, but I hear you. They are differently shaped humans, but they have semi-similar balding British faces. Yes, yes. So I was confused, but then Hugh Bonneville showed up and I was like, oh my god, no, that's Hugh Bonneville. Thank god. He does not actually have a giraffe neck. I was correct in my assessment of him. (laughs) Oh, yes. Anyway, there's like a montage where Hugh Grant is meeting alternate love interests and Emily Mortimer shows up and I fully thought she was Helen Baxendale and then I googled and I was like this is a different actress. Oh no I remembered her because she has such a memorable stint on 30 Rock. Helen Baxendale is the girl that Ross marries in Friends. Okay so that's why you would. Yes but then I googled and I am not the only person on the internet who thinks that they look the same so I was like okay I'm comforted that I'm not just crazy. And then there was also a guy who I thought was the brother from Love Actually, but it is a different actor who just happens to look kind of similar. 
I was delighted by the appearance of Dylan Moran early on as the weirdo who was stealing books from Hugh Grant's bookshop in like the second scene. Oh, he's a pretty famous Irish comedian who goes on to have a sitcom called Black Books, which I love. But uh, he basically is playing his character from Black Books in this movie and it was very funny i was still i was like oh my god it's bernard like i was yes that was a good scene like i'll give it to richard curtis this film was both romantic and comedic we just were also bored somehow yeah i i don't know why there were some very funny scenes like there's a whole sequence where for their second like kind of well, basically, after Julia Roberts kisses Hugh Grant for the first time, she then calls him a few days later, and then they, like, decide to meet up at her hotel. So he goes, but her press junket is running over, and he gets mistaken for a reporter, and he just, like, rolls with it, and is kind of like, I'm from Horse and Hound. And that whole sequence where he is a fake Horse and Hound reporter is actually very funny. It is my favorite scene. Yes, because then he is forced to interview the other actors, and he has obviously not seen this film at all nor does he work for horse and hound magazine but it's just delightful because he's like our readers are equally intrigued by both species are there horses in this movie are there hounds in this movie and then she's like it takes place in space or no it takes place on a submarine (laughs) it's very funny it's amazing And then they do a pretty nice callback to that at the very end um, when he is at the press conference that she's giving at the hotel and he again gets mistaken for a reporter. I mean, to be fair, there's only reporters in the room. And uh, and he says, like, horse and hound readers are dying to know. Yes. And he's basically like making his love declaration. I have to say, again, kudos to Hugh Grant for making these like very odd rom-com situations kind of work earnestly yeah i think so um there were a surprising number of things i liked like i liked when they first met that it wasn't like he had no idea who she was but like he didn't say anything but there was kind of an understanding and then he was like it was nice meeting you surreal but nice and then he got all embarrassed i felt like that felt real but i also really enjoyed because she was like I thought the apricot and honey thing was the real low point because he's offering her apricot soaked in honey. And I would like to ask, is this a real food? No, that's true. That's something you would be very into. Would I? I think Do you so. think it would be too sweet? I don't know. It depends on the sweetness of the apricot, I guess. Are they fresh apricots or dried apricots? Well, I assume even if they were dry, they were then reconstituted in the honey. No, surely not. No, I guess not. Maybe not enough moisture in honey. I don't know. Anyway, if anyone's tried this presumably dessert or snack, do write in and let us know. Um, I liked her fake movies. Uh, I liked the fake movie dialogue when they were running lines. I liked the newspaper, which if you I paused and zoomed in, actually mentioned the Baldwin brothers. Oh, did it? Yeah, it was funny. I liked the dinner party at his friend's place. When she comes, I thought that was actually pretty well done. Like, I think it did well to establish, like, the personalities of his various friends. I think it definitely made Julia Roberts, like, slightly more interesting of a person. Um, And, yeah, like, I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, it was a really human little chunk of interaction. Um, Apparently, this movie was born out of Richard Curtis imagining if he, like, suddenly showed up with Madonna or someone. 
Oh, okay. Like to like a friend dinner. No, speaking of which, I liked that he um, had one friend who was in a wheelchair. Yeah, I wondered about that because I was like, oh, is she actually disabled? And then I did some Googling and I was like, I guess I don't know how to feel because I thought it was a nice representation. It seems like some people do as well and others don't necessarily. But overall, I thought it was a nice like non-event personally. Yeah, I think I would have preferred it I liked it in the original dinner party scene. I was kind of like, oh, this is nice. But then I found out it was because of like a tragic accident, essentially. And then I was like, well, now I feel less great about this rep because obviously this is now portrayed as this like this horrific thing, which yes, if you could walk and now you could no longer walk, that would dramatically change your life. So I was like, I'm not wild about that aspect, but for 1999, I was like, this is okay. I'm surprised. Yeah, I also would have preferred if she had been played by someone who was actually in a wheelchair and not like an able-bodied actress, but I was honestly just surprised to see her at all. Yeah, no, I was definitely surprised here. I thought it was really nice, though, the relationship between her and her husband I thought the the relationship was done really well and it was really sweet and it was like it wasn't played up like he resented this change in his life at all or anything like that. They were very supportive and loving with each other. Yeah, it seemed like they had really adjusted well, although they didn't seem to have a ramp in front of their house, which was weird. Oh, yes. I was like, how is she? Like, he has to, like, carry her up and down the stairs. And I was, like, living in this, like, London townhouse. This doesn't seem like the best situation. But I guess, like, it takes time to remodel your house to make it properly accessible. Yes. I was like, maybe they'll move. Maybe they should move. They should move. Like, currently, she is literally only has autonomy on the first floor of her home. I guess he could bring the wheelchair up and she could have autonomy on the second floor. But it's dependent on whether he's home or not. I know, it's unfortunate. You gotta hope they've got two bathrooms. Or she has, like, like someone in when he's at work or she's back from work. Like, I, know. I don't. Um, trying to think. Overall, I thought the Hugh Grant-Julia Roberts relationship, while bizarre because they barely knew each other, was, like, kind of nice. She had that whole thing where she was kind of like, they go to bed with Gilda, they wake up with me. And she apparently, Julia Roberts, hated this line, but I kind of liked it. Like, not so much the line as just thinking about what that dynamic is like. And then Hugh Grant goes, you are lovelier this morning than you have ever been. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And then she gets, like, excited about breakfast. And you're like, oh, you're a human. Yeah, I thought it did do well in terms of talking about the realities of what it's kind of like to be that famous and put on a pedestal and everything like that. But you are correct. They do not spend very much time together. At the end of the film, she is still a bit enigmatic and bland. And I just don't get a really good feeling for her. And they have a very like, you know, happily ever after ending. Alex was like, they give you everything you want. You know, like you see them getting married. You see her like pregnant at the end. You're just like, oh, okay. Like this really is like they rode off into the sunset together. Yes, they seem happy. They seem to have made their very disparate lives work. And to the movie's credit, it does seem like by the time they get married, a lot of time has passed because his little sister is hugging two children who don't seem that young. Oh, that's a lot of time. So I feel like some time has passed, but I could be wrong. But I did find it annoying that at the press junket, everyone was like, are you going to get married? But to be fair, the people at the press junket don't know that they've only spent like three days together. 
Um, I also thought that their fight after the reporters come is good and, like, kind of painful when, yeah, when she's, like, stressing about the press having arrived and she's like, I'll regret this forever. And you're like, oh, ouch. Yes, I was like, that really hits hard. Um, I enjoy that because I was so firmly, like, team Julia Roberts in that fight. But I could see, like, where he was kind of coming from. But I was also a little bit like, shut your garbage mouth, you Grant. This is not the time. God. Um, I didn't know that the I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy line was from this movie. I knew that it was and I did not enjoy it because I think it's weird when you watch a movie that you've never seen, but you already know the most famous line from. Yeah, it was a bit jarring. So like the whole time I was just kind of like, are you going to say this now? No, I guess it will be later. Is she going to say this now? No, I guess it will be later. And then I was like, because, you know, that line's not new to me. It, it's just It wasn't great in context either. Yeah, I was like, I feel like even if I didn't pre-know this line, I would maybe still be kind of squirmy at it. What were your favorite lines? Um, I think it might have been, our readers are equally intrigued by both species. <laughs> I really like the exchange that she has with Hugh Bonneville at the dinner party, where he has no idea who she is, and is like, so, Edda, what do you do? And she goes, I'm an actress. And he goes, oh, Splendid. And then he's all, the pay must be terrible. And he's like, how much did you make for your last movie? And she says, 15 million. And he's like, good for you. And then he's mortified. Like, I I liked whenever his friends were there with her because that felt really real, that they were like wildly excited. And then they were like whispering while she was in the bathroom. That's so true when you bring like anybody anywhere, even if they're not famous, but it would be especially true if you brought like Julia Roberts to the dinner party. Yes. But I also liked that one of them had like no idea who she was. And I was like, I enjoyed like the various levels. That's me me at the party. Exactly. (laughs) That's like us walking on the street. Like, we have no idea who anyone is. Like, they just walk by and, like, other people we're with are like, oh, my God, you know who just walked by? And I'll be like, who? You know, I was at that bakery that I mentioned, and I think that we saw Daryl from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, that's nice. It was so cute, right? I was like, oh, I think I actually did recognize that person. But anyway. What were your favorite scenes? I I think it's just the horse and hound thing. Yeah, I think for me, me too. It was very funny. <laughs> I was like, that entire press junket is amazing. And then like, there's tiny Misha Barton. And he's like, what was your favorite like thing that you've worked on? And she's like, probably Leonardo. And he's like, Da Vinci? And she's like, DiCaprio. Because yes. remember, this was 1999, guys. guys. I was able to crack a joke about how he was probably going to ask her out once she turned 18. That's horrifying. Oh, no. I'm so upset now. You're not wrong, but I'm upset. <laughs> Um, there were like three people of color in this whole film. Wait, but we haven't talked about things that we hate. Oh, I'm sorry. Here are some things that I hated. I hated when Alec Baldwin was basically telling Julia Roberts not to eat too much because he didn't want people to say, there goes that famous actor with the big fat girlfriend. I did hate that. That was probably my worst line. Of course, my most hated part of this film was the roommate. Oh God. Yeah, obviously. Um, besides that, though, uh, I hated when Hugh Grant referred to having met Julia Roberts as having taken love heroin. I also wrote this down. (laughs) That whole mopey sequence was like, you're so unbearable to me right now. You are better in your charming cat phase. Um, 
This was intended to be annoying, but one of the girls that he gets set up with describes herself as a fruitarian. Yeah, that actually was very humorous to me. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) But then I thought it was going to be about how she loves to eat fruit. But then she was like, no, we only eat things that have died of their own accord. We won't pick fruit, which quite frankly removes a lot of the joy of eating fruit. I was a bit confused by that because I was like, this seems like a misleading name. I know. Oh, and then my only other note about things I didn't enjoy is how uncomfortable it is when you already know, like, the pivotal line from something and don't like it that much. Right. Did you also count three people of color? Yes. Uh, maybe. I counted her black co-star, who was American, I think, right? Yes. At the press junket. And then the subsequent person she interviewed, I was not sure if he counted, but he was Spanish speaking. And I was like, if he's from the Americas, then he's probably a person of color. Oh, okay. Yeah. And maybe his interpreter, who I didn't really clock, but maybe. Yeah, but I thought maybe he was from Spain, but I'm not sure, I guess. Exactly. And if he was from Spain, he probably doesn't count. It depends. Oh, fair enough. Yes, it depends. But it's an American movie, I think. But anyway, one Japanese person at the hotel. Yes. There was also an Indian man at the dinner. They go on like a dinner date and they're like a group of guys basically loudly discussing her assets in like behind them. And there's an Indian guy, which apparently he's like some sort of famous comedian, I think. Like he did this like bit role. Oh, okay. I didn't, I totally forgot about that one. And I was wondering, did Richard Curtis get slammed eventually for how white his movies are and then he decided to make love actually? (laughs) Who knows? Oh, and then at the very end, I was like, OMG, a black reporter who was British. Oh, but yes, as readers and listeners will well know, there are no people of color in movie Britain. Yes, it's true. Uh, I thought it was telling that most of the people of color we saw were foreign. (laughs) Um, score? You know, I guess overall, this movie was okay. Like, it was not as horrendously offensive to me as Four Weddings and a Funeral in terms of dullness and just, like, nothing ever happening. Yes, you had never seen it before, and I had seen it and remembered not liking it that much, but it was so many years ago that I literally was like, I thought Hugh Grant was, like, a single father or something, and I was obviously wildly wrong so i enjoyed it more than i remembered liking it i think i would give it like a solid like sort of middle rating like a five five and a half maybe a six um i didn't think it was the worst i also didn't love it but like alex made me watch this actually because she watched it when she was 12 and like loved it and i could see like when you're younger and you're watching this like this could be quite romantic as an adult you're like they barely know each other (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as rom-coms go, like, it was fairly, the earnest parts were not unbearable, it was still funny, and I was like, oh, this is a better movie than I remember. I honestly was a little like, maybe six or seven, but seven is a stretch. Seven is definitely a stretch. We can split the difference and say, we'll give it a six. Yeah, six out of ten horse and hounds. Uh, Six out of ten bad travel books. Six out of ten orange juices that Hugh Grant spills on Julia Roberts. Six out of ten apricots soaked in honey. Perhaps. Six out of ten famous people much younger than I'm used to seeing them. And with that, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We will talk to you next time. Please follow us on all our social media. Bye! 
Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at, at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Ramcomathon? You can read past reviews at ramcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at ramcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and ramcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Ramcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.